sang this song to me There was a message in his melody Sweetest lyrics that I ever heard There's a message in the songs of birds Tomorrow is another day Living is the only way Tomorrow's gonna ever come Listen to the words of the song Everything gonna be Everything is gonna be Welcome to A Sip of Inspiration. My name is Stephanie Wilson Coleman. I'm known as the Empowerment Doctor, and I want to thank everyone who has tuned into this show today. This is a special segment for me, and they're all special, special segments because I want to bring information to everyone that you can use in order to have a better life for yourself and to help others have a better life also. If you're watching this, you're watching this either live on my Facebook page, which is Empower DR, or my personal face, my business first Facebook page, as a matter of fact, which is Empowerment Doctor uh, on Facebook. And this is the second time you've been able to see it there. And we're also streaming live on YouTube. So I want to thank you guys for watching us wherever you find us. And you can find us every place you listen to your podcast, not just at those places. So I'll... <clears throat> My website is champagneconnection.com. So if you want to go out there and get a little bit of merchandise, and I keep saying I'm going to wear a t-shirt and I haven't yet, but I promise you one day I'm going to surprise you. Just check out C-H-A-M-P-A-G-N-E, like the liquor, connection.com. And champagne just simply stands for life is too short, not for you to enjoy all the things that you need to enjoy and have in your life, because this life is short and we need to get the best of it. You can also grab the merchandise while you're there. There's some free classes and everything too, if you would like to sign up for those uh, that will help you actually get more in touch with the things that you need to do in order to change your life. I need to thank my sponsor, Rise. When you need a supply company to rise to your needs, call Resource Industrial Supply Equipment. They've been my sponsor for every episode and I'm actually thankful and grateful for that. So with that being said, we will get on with tonight's wonderful show. Joining me today, Aaron and Sandra Stockton. So I want to thank you guys for joining me today. It is absolutely a fantastic opportunity for me to talk about there's always room for one more. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Sandra Stockton. She's the author of the book, There's Always Room for One More. And after reading about this guest, I decided that we would be a really great match. She and her husband have fostered over 100 children. Did you hear me? 100 children. They speak eloquently on fostering children while entertaining their, list, their listeners. And they also have written a book that there's always room for one more. So thank you guys for agreeing to be on the show. So I apologize in advance for... Uh, misspelling your name in the title. I'll see if I can get that corrected. So if not, I'll be sure that I apologize profusely for that. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, and I wanted to mention they have been married 50 years. Isn't that fantastic? I said they can teach that. We need, we need ideas about that. <laughs> 
So welcome and tell us about yourself and tell us how you got into fostering a hundred children. Fostering, fostering children. Well, Aaron and I both were raised by single mothers. My mother had seven, his mother had six. He's the youngest and his family, I'm the next to the oldest and mine. So we knew about having a lot of kids in the house and people around all the time. Uh, we, uh, all our kids were kind of in their twenties when I got this notion that I would be a foster parent. It's kind of like the house is kind of like really empty and I've got this big house and nobody's moving around, there was no noise. And Aaron was out working, I'd be home by myself, and say, God, it's so lonely in here. And I happened to read a story about foster parenting. And I always tell this story, the first foster child we got her name was Michelle West and she was Caucasian. And I read the story that the agency was trying to find parents for a Caucasian girl who was pregnant to an Afro-American boy. And they were having a hard time placing her. And I'm like, that sounds crazy. But I called the number without telling Aaron just to see what it was all about. And they invited me to come in to meet them. And I went to the agency. And when I showed up, there were other foster parents, there were three or four, it was I think three, showed up for this same child, saw this same story. We all agreed that it was a bait and switch. That child probably didn't exist. They told us she was already placed, but they had other children. And they had a um, uh, uh, a Caucasian girl who they really wanted to place and it's kind of like a mini kind of thing. And I said, yeah, I'm really interested in her. But the only problem was they had never placed um, a Caucasian child in a home of Afro-American parents. I'm like, that's crazy. Because my both military, so it doesn't matter what race you are, who you are, you need a parent or don't you need a parent? So after a few rounds of talking back and forth, they decided that they would place a child with us. Aaron and I had to go to uh, the agency, of course, like these other parents, and do like several weeks of classes about foster parenting. You know, but in my book, I talk about things you need to know before you become a foster parent because everything you need to know, they'll tell you at that meeting because they just want to place that kid. You're not going to know everything about that kid. Do they steal? Are they suicidal? Are they a bedwetter? You know, you're not going to hear the real story. There wasn't time when they would let you read jackets about. Children, but now with the Privacy Act, you don't see mm -hmm. anything. You know, you're just, am I going to take this kid or not? It's kind of like, what do you think? Well, like Sandy really didn't mention, we were therapeutic foster parents also. So all our kids came with baggage, some type of problem. Medical, Medical alcoholism, mm -hmm. drugs, you know, so we, mental, mental health, so, you know, we were just not just foster parents. We were, you know, on the front line. Uh, of children with lots of issues. So we took that child. And then after taking her, it, it just became like a routine. We started doing doing good with what we were doing, going to other meetings. Meeting other foster parents, and they had the big meetings monthly. And then they just asked us if we could take another child. And uh, soon after her, and she was Afro-American. I said, yeah, hell, why not? The house is big enough, we'll take her. Ended up getting another child, had three at the same time, actually, and did really well. And then we kind of started getting known in the agency as get the doctors to take that kid. We're talking about really bad kids or somebody having a problem, get the doctors to take that kid. For instance, our friend Patty oh, yeah. was a foster parent. She had a foster son, a boy, Caucasian, and he didn't want to take showers. No matter what, she just couldn't take it, the odor, everything, she just... She couldn't take it and she called me one day and said, do you think Ace would mind? And Aaron's name is Ace. 
wouldn't mind if you guys took my kid temporarily. Maybe Aaron can get him to take a shower. I said, I'll ask him. So I asked him, and we didn't have any kids at that time. And so he came with us and tell me you got to take a shower. I to take a shower. I just, we sat down and man to man, you know, a lot of these kids don't have fathers. So, okay. so you know, we, we talked and uh, I said, look, don't you want a girlfriend one day? He, yeah, Mr. Hayes. I said, okay, well, take a shower. <laughs> so you, you don't think, okay? <laughs> you know, I, I I was very upfront with my And he told him that um, if I don't hear that water running. I'm coming in. <laughs> I'm coming in. <laughs> and I'm going to be seeing if that, if that smell goes. I'm going to see it. If that odor's going, I'm going to be able to tell. He said, okay, yes, sir, yes, sir. He took a seriously good shower and came. I said, I even washed my hair, Mr. Hayes. Yep. He's all happy and everything. And like, he stayed with us about like a couple of weeks. And I called his foster mom. It's time for you to get your kid back. He's yep. okay now. He's showering. <laughs> you know, he's showering. And so he, she got him back. And he was doing, she said, like, I don't know how you did that. And we were thinking, it's just probably a father thing. It's just probably. And she and she had a mate, a male, but he wasn't listening to them. And they were all uh, Caucasian. But I guess Aaron had a different spin on it. Like, yo, we can't have that in here, you know? So he just conformed. You know, he, he did well. So you get the children that do all kinds of things, you know. And one of the things I did when we were having children, as we went on, we started with girls, and we mm -hmm. switched to boys. We did kind of like a drastic change after the first few years, and we had girls because there was a girl, and not in our agency, who had um, accused her foster fa father of inappropriate social behavior. And so when that happens in a foster family, whether you're right or the child's lying, and children do lie on their foster parents, there's an investigation, so everything stops. They move the kids in your house. I go all these people talking to you and all kinds of crazy stuff, right? And it turned out that that wasn't true for that person that foster parent they got cleared. But then I decided since I wasn't home a lot that we weren't doing girls anymore. I'm not gonna have a girl accuse Aaron anything. So I think they hated that because we took so many girls. I said, no, we're gonna do boys, and we went to all boys and mostly all teens, teens and independent okay. living. Yes, 18, 19, 19 some, 20. some 20 year olds, and. Uh, I want to go back for a minute. And the reason why I think we were destined to be foster parents is when we got married, there were five kids. And do, my daughter was saying, talking to me last night. She said, Dad, I cannot remember when we didn't have anyone living in our house. Like uh, uncles, cousins. cousins, brothers, their families. We all... Because we were both military. We had 50 years together also. <laughs> Not just okay. been married 50 years. We let, me, let me clear something up for you, though, Dr. Stephanie. Because you looked at the little puzzle when you said we got married or five kids. When my husband met me, I was widowed. I was there when my first husband got murdered. So, of course, when he met me, I had kids. Four kids of mine and a niece. So when we got married, we already had kids. So like he said, he was never in the house without kids. But then he lived with his baby sister. She's older than him, but she's the youngest girl. And he was always around mm -hmm. her kids, but he knew how to be around children. So that's why we started off with kids, because Sandra had a lot of kids. You know, so uh, we've just been always nurturing somebody. All that's time. fantastic. So what have you learned about the process of foster care that you can share with the audience listening? I think that a lot of people, and like we had when uh, New Channel 7 did a story on us, almost two years ago now, we had over 500,000 hits on this. 
story about being foster parents. And a lot of people came in with comments. And some of the negative comments, most of them were all positive. Negative one comment was like, I guess you're sitting pretty now, all that money you got from having all those kids. What people don't understand is that you don't get enough money to be splurging off the foster care money. It's called a stipend. If you think that you can take $750, something like we started like $600 for a whole month and take care of a child, that is supposed to be for their room and board and their food and their clothes. It's not possible. So then if you're going to take them on vacations, yep. out to dinner, put them in a program, training, anything like that, you have to come out and have that money yourself because the agency is not going to give it to you. So we were um, okay financially. We weren't stuck. We were good. We had a big house. We started taking kids and we both had jobs, both military, making money. So we took our kids. All of our kids went on vacation with us. We never put our kids in respite care. All agencies have respite care for, for foster parents, which means I need a break and you just might watch my kids. What we did, we convinced our kids, our daughters, to watch our kids and we had somewhere to go. And one of my girlfriends, who was a nurse, her name was Stephanie Johnson, we met years ago. I convinced her to watch some of my bad boys. And you know, I never sent them anywhere else to go away for a weekend. They was with families with my friend or my two daughters. So that made them really think that they were a family. We have other foster parents or agencies. So every time they want to go somewhere, somebody had their kid. Can you take my kid? My kids are so and so's house. I feel like that's a disconnect to them because you're trying to teach them what a family is. And if I want to send them somewhere everywhere I go and they're not with us, that's not fair. And then come back and talk about being a vacation or doing fun things and they weren't there just well, we're not gonna do that. We were good about sharing. We took how many business? Yeah, quite a few. Quite a few. Yeah, we took many. <clears throat> and not only that, I think when we got involved in foster care, the kids needed, you know, because they'd had no structure at home. And so we would bring them into the house and say, okay, this is your, this is, uh, what chores do you want to do? You know, and we would have them make a list of chores they want. To do their house. Mm -hmm. And we would go over with them and say, okay, we didn't just, you can't bring a kid into your house and, and say, rules. you're going to do this. You're going to, no, no. You got to, you got to give them choices. Give them choices. Mm -hmm. And some things we didn't agree with, like, I mean, when kid said, no washing dishes. I said, well, that's not negotiable because you get out on your own, have your own place. You need to know how to wash dishes. And we always had a dishwasher, but we never, never allowed them to use our dishwasher and we didn't use it. And they'd always say, Miss Sandy, you got a dishwasher, you can't use this dishwasher. Are you going to have a dishwasher in your apartment when you move? You need to know how to do dishes. So it was important for them to know housekeeping chores and things like that. Because once they got in their own place, they were going to fail. They didn't know how to do it. You know, you, you, you have to That's teach true. them something. Right. Teach them so how to do You taught them how to wash dishes. Yeah. How about washing clothes? Yes, we taught them how to sort their clothes, everything. Bank accounts, because see, we were doing the independent living. So okay. like the 17, 18, 19 year old out of school, out of school, or, or we would put them in a GED program, driver's ed program, get them a job, and also uh, driver's license. You know, so you have a lot to do as a foster parent. I, I'm, I'm, well, you have a lot to do with your own kids. That's yes. right. Yes. And, so, and they're gonna do things. I mean, one of our kids, um, they're gonna do things. They're gonna do bad stuff. I mean, one of our kids. Uh, he said he would just take Aaron's car to go to the store truck. to get his truck to go to the store. And he went, he took it. I didn't know he even took the keys and left. He wasn't home. And he came back walking. He said, uh, Miss Sandy, I got bad news. I said, what kind of bad news? He said, 
Well, I took Mr. Ace's car, truck. I said, well, where is he? He said, it's down the road. Is it down the road where? He said, I didn't wreck or anything. It's parked. Why didn't you drive it here if you took it? He said, it ran out of gas. I said, what did you need the truck support? You couldn't ask me. He said, I just had to drive to the store and get a pack of cigarettes. So I said, well, did you get the cigarette? Yes, ma'am, I got the cigarettes. Now, that incident is supposed to be told to your foster agency to tell things like that you're supposed to record, document every day, send them everything. Well, we kept that one to ourselves because we went, we didn't, we're not pressing charges on that because our own son stole his car, wrecked it, hit, hit it. So I couldn't see the wrecked car for months until I figured out it was wrecked. So your own kids do those things. Some people say, these kids are so bad, but are your kids not bad? Come on, especially now. I think social media has their hooks in our kids. It's kind of like, and I can't say, I used to say, sometimes it's the parents. A lot of times it's the parents, but more than the parents, I think the percentage is bigger on the social media aspect. I'll give you for instance, I have a granddaughter, I think she's 10, and she came to see me and her nails were all done with fillings and everything, her nails, she's 10. I'm like, who got those for you? She said, my other grandma. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord have mercy, when she gets 13, what is she gonna want? What is she gonna ask you for? You're already doing nails like that. You're already two earrings in your ears. You're already doing this grown-up stuff. What will they want? And what I think happens now, for me, what I feel is that all these young people getting all their kids everything they ask for without making them work for it. Our kids work for things. They got allowance. They work for it. Our foster kids work for it. The ones that got allowance, they have to do something, chores to get that. They're not having them do anything. At some point in their life, you don't catch them by the time they're 10, 11, 12, you have lost. If sometimes you don't catch them and something just wakes up and says, whoo, this isn't working for me, what kind of kid is he going to grow up to be or her? What kind of a dog? Because when they get to the age where they can't afford what you've been giving them, they are going to find a way to get it. People need to understand that. They're going to find a way to get it. I mean, you know, doing drugs, selling their body, whatever they got to do to keep up with the Joneses, they're going to do it. Because my kids That's were washing funny. dishes and helping prep yeah. dinner and washing their, learning to wash their own clothes at young by the time yeah. they were 10. If you know, yard work, Aaron had them in that yard, right? Yes. You want right. landscaping? Yeah. We would take the boys, like I had a landscaping company and they would work for me. And, you know, they would, they would, at first they wouldn't want to, you know, and I said, okay, you don't want to make a hundred dollars? And then, oh yeah, Mr. Ace. You know, they, they heard that money side. And and so it was it was but they worked for it. They did work for it. They worked for it. It's okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think I think that's important. I think that we have to get a handle on it. And what uh, what we did in our book, we have the glossary in the beginning, and we tell you all the terminology you need to know before you go thinking, I want to get a child, or I want to be a guardian, or I want to adopt. Because sometimes you'll go get a child and this will happen now and you say, oh, they didn't tell me this. They didn't tell me that. Get my book. It's like a little tool, very thin book, $3. It tells you all the lingo you need to know before you step in to get a child. That way you have to jump on what you're getting when you go to get a child. Because what we need is more foster parents. We need many. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So uh, your book. So uh, remind the audience the name of your book and where they can find your book. Okay, Aaron's holding it for you to see. It's called There's Always Room for One More. Okay. And, and it has our picture on the back. Both our pictures, so you know it's us. 
And again, it's you can search online and get it anywhere, but mainly on Amazon. If you go to my website, which is my name in all small letters, www.sandra l kiris k-e-a-r-s-e stockton.com. Go to my website, you can buy the book from me directly and I'll autograph them. But if you just do a Google search, you just have to make sure you put the one by me because there are many books with that same title. That's why I want to show the picture. But yes. Okay. Available. Okay. Mm -hmm. So your inspiration for writing the book. So besides uh, letting us know the terms of the different types of way to foster children, what else uh, should we know uh, about entering that arena? First off, people listening know that the money you get will not make you rich. I want it people will to not. that down because that is a huge misconception. And I used to say, no, you can't hardly feed the kids for that. You know? No, you cannot. And it depends on what agency and what state your foster kid is because different agencies do different things. Now, we live in Maryland. So we had children from Prince George's County, Calvert County, St. Mary's County, Baltimore. All the counties have different mm -hmm. budgets. So like say for Calvert, I would, we have a child and they need this, they need that. Get it right away. No questions. Got you. Right to check, send it to us, or go take the kid and get it. Prince George's County, well, you know, it's a whole different story. You're not mm -hmm. going to get too much. So every, because it's always said we have no money. So they're probably telling the truth that there's no money, but every agency is different, you know, where they're going to get money from. And then also in foster care programs, the object, the goal is to get all children back to their family. Yes. If not their parents, their biological family, not to take them away from their family. Some kids we get automatically, we know because of what happened that they're not going back to their family ever, you know? And you know that you get that right away. You get the kid, don't let you know. This child is never going back. And I'll give you for instance, a little kid we had just temporary for a weekend, almost drove me nuts. Five years old, we don't do little kids. He gave me this story that his father was in prison because he killed his mother. It was, it was a long story. I'm like, he's only five. How can he know that? No, how can he know that? When his foster parent picked him up and met me to take him back to her, I just looked at her thinking, how could you take care of this little tiny kid? And she said, what did he tell you? So I was telling her, she said, it's all lies. His dad's not in prison. He's in Baltimore. <laughs> his mom's not dead. And, but, but he's living in this fancy world. And where he got that information, I don't know. So, you know, by the time he left my house, he was telling my daughter who was staying with me, he was calling me Miss Meany. Miss Meany got rules. He didn't want to come back to me. He, we have rules. I mean, they have so much energy. He ran up my steps, down my steps, ran in my room, did a flip, a double flip on my bed, flipped over. I thought he was going to hit his head. He landed on his feet. He said, wasn't that neat, Miss Sandy? I said, oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no more kids. We can't do kids. He was the youngest kid I've ever had. Yeah, I, I think. This is a fireball. And another thing that inspired me, now I'm just reading the story, I didn't find out until I was an adult. In my 30s or 40s early that my mother was a foster child she never told us my mother and her siblings her sister and her brother were foster children now that's a long story and i write that in other books that i wrote <laughs> but um so she always would tell us when she's growing up one day i asked her why did you ever tell us that we we're growing up she said she didn't think there's any need for us to have to worry about it. she was a foster child i don't think it would have made any difference but she's never said anything I'm like wow you know and she said for the most part her and her sister were treated well but her younger brother was treated horrible. So I said, wow. And I guess back then in the 20s, 1920s, so they didn't have the rules they have now. 
as far as things happening to children. So that kind of make me want to inspire to do it also. Plus, in our book, we talk about 30 or 40 kids, different stories about many of them, different situations, the one we have permission to talk about. So we talk a lot of stories about them. And in the back of my book, I have a section called Reflections, where some of the foster kids have written things in there. You know, so, um, and what's fun, nice about him, do you think of social media about the one that called you oh, from yeah. West Virginia? Yes. Yeah, talk about him. Well, this one kid uh, we had, and he left, He when he left us, he was around 20 years old. Mm. And why did he leave? He left because he wanted to kick your butt. He wanted to fight me. Cause he he had a he had the permission to go home on the weekend his to his okay. grandparents' house. So you know I told him okay, and he, he was 20, 20 years old. I said okay, but you know nobody comes to my house after one o'clock in the morning. Okay, you're 20, one o'clock in the morning. He come coming in at two. He was drunk, and then he told the other foster son, "Let's beat Mr. Ace. Let's, <laughs> let's kick his butt." And like I told him, I said, I, I will hurt you like I would hurt my son if they jumped on me. So I packed his stuff up that night, took him over to his grandparents' house. The agency called us the next day and said, panic. you cannot do that. You got to give a 30-day notice. I said, first of all, he was talking about jumping on me. And I'm telling you, he, he was going to get hurt, Okay. So the best but for they him. made that rule. <laughs> After that, they sent everybody a letter saying, "Hey, you got to, you got to give us a thirty day notice." You, know? you cannot take a kid anywhere without an agency. But the kid came back and he said, "Mr. Ace." Well, when did he come back? That was how long ago? Uh, not a couple months ago. A couple months ago. He, he said, on social media. He said, "Mr. Ace, I'm really sorry." He said, "But you taught me a lot." And He's I'm, married. he said, "I'm gonna bring my I'm gonna bring you you got another grandson." I'm gonna bring him over so you can meet. You know, so yeah, it turned out. Good. It was funny. He talked to me. He said, "I was a handful, wasn't I, Miss Sandy?" I said, "Yeah, you were." He turned out pretty good, working hard and got his wife and kids and everything. So I think the fun thing is when they reach out and they find you, come and find us on social media. Our first one hit me up on a, a on social media. She said, "Are you the Sandra married to Aaron who used to live in Upper Marlboro?" Road? I said, "Yeah, who are you?" Because she had a different last name. And then she gave her, okay. her name. She said, it's Michelle, mama. I said, where are you? She said, I'm in Germany. And she said, she's my first one, the Caucasian girl. And she uh, said, I'm married and I married a soldier. He's Afro-American like that. And I have three kids instead of twins. And, oh, my God. And when she came home to Stateside, to Maryland, she came to see us. The pictures and saw oh, the kids all growing up and everything. is like really nice. So I think the, the reward is when you see the ones that really make it. No matter, even when you thought they would never make it. And they made it. And, I, I think that's the thing. And being a foster parent is a game changer. I can give you an example. One time uh, we had a young man, and we were real, real close. And uh, he passed. He, we got him to to the next level. He got him a uh, was job, living with his girlfriend. He got in a car accident and passed. Richard. Richard. And... His mom called me, called Sandy. He called said, me. Her voice sounded like something bad was wrong. I said, uh-uh, you got to call Aaron. And she called him. So when he came from work, I asked him what happened. And I, I told her, uh, she said, hey, are you coming to the uh, funeral? I no, said, she told you he was dead. Yeah, she told me he was dead. 
And I said, well, I'm coming to the funeral. The reason why I was kind of hesitant on going to the funeral is because his dad, Richard, used to tell me all the time, Mr. H, you can't go to my dad's house. He won't let you on the porch because he's a Ku Klux Klan member. He's a Klansman. I said, okay. So we went to the funeral, me, Sandy. We were the only uh, black African Americans there. That's okay. And the, all of a sudden, this guy came up and hugged me. And he said, I want to thank you. She asked if you were Aaron first. Yeah, he said, are you Ace Aaron? I said, yes, sir. He said, I want to thank you. And he hugged me and he said, Richard told me you made him a man. You helped my son, and I, I am very grateful. And I turned around, and I went back to the seat. I was, we were sitting with the mother, and she said, I will never believe that my ex-husband would hug a black man. <laughs> you know? I mean, things, some people change, you know, things change. Richard actually died in a car accident yeah. later when he left us. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's, it's challenging, but it's rewarding. It's both. You know, it's both. And you just have to know that when kids come to your house, they come with baggage. And you don't know what's inside there until they open up that look and start letting it out. You're not going to know. Like, we have baggage. We all have issues and things that it's nobody's business. When they come there, they're like uh, claps hands because they don't want you to know their business. They don't trust you. They've probably been through so much that they just can't trust anybody. And sometimes it takes a minute for them to open up and like you, you know? Um, because when they first come to you, you're on a honeymoon. But remember, they're watching every move you make. Yeah. Okay? You, they're watching everything you do say. And they're on a honeymoon and they'll behave. But all after 90 days, you say, or different or something. Something's different, now, you know. They 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 feel in you. And one of our secrets, I'll tell the people who's listening, is to not try to get kids in your area. Because if you get somebody, let's let's say we live in Homewood. If we live in Homewood, we don't want people from uh, kids from Homewood because they're still hanging out with their crowd. But you could have just said that. We live in Maryland. Okay, Maryland. I'm from Marlboro. So we try not to get kids in our county, especially they don't drive, because then they'll be inviting their old friends who they're getting in trouble with to our house. So we don't want that. We're trying to break that cycle. So and sometimes it's hard. But sometimes the older ones, you know, they're smart, even though back then we first started, there were no cell phone, mobile phone. But they know how to get a phone and call their friend or call somebody, you know, to come. So we tried to stay away from that. And we found out that we did much better with the kids who weren't from our county. You know, because they can just call their neighbor down the street or catch a right. bus to somebody's house. So that works much better for us. And we live so far out that people, when their friends would come, they and they wouldn't ask me. Their friends would show up, and I said, "Oh no, you can't go. We got we're going out to dinner." And their friends just drove an hour to get here, and they oh they don't come back. You know, they don't know if I'm going to let them go. So you know, there's tricks. You you find out, you know, that that because you, you're trying to break them from their old habits. And teach right. them new things, better yes. things. Teach them better ways. You want to teach them structure. Like I say, you want to, we would have meals together. A lot of them say grace. never said grace. You know, we would, oh, let's hold hands. Let's, you know, be a family, you know. It was always their choice, though. Most of the time they saw us doing it. They started learning it. They, they knew those prayers. Yeah. They, started, they started learning it, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of things you have to think about 
when you're doing faster parent. Like one of the things that um, I I wouldn't take back when my kids were together. If they had a child who was homosexual, outwardly homosexual, if I had other kids that were straight, I wouldn't take that kid. If I had two kids who were homosexual, I'm okay with that. But if I have somebody that that wasn't, I don't want to infringe on that person's feelings or whatever they're feeling about that. So I wouldn't do that. Now we have a kid. We have no kids in the house, and somebody's homosexual. It's cool. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't want any other kid to feel, or somebody's parent to feel, I don't want my kid in there with that kid. And, you know, because most of the time parents have visitation rights. They can come see their kids, you know. Um, the families can pick them up. They have rights. It depends on who the kid and what they what they can have. And then one time we got two younger kids. And one of the things they were, they were brothers, always together. And one of the things they were worried about, they thought the older one was sexually much less than the younger one. They want to separate the kids because that's all they have was each other. And they, they brought it to the table to us, and I said, okay, I'm, I'm a nurse, you know, and Aaron, you know, we we had we a lot of kids, and we decided in our house there will be no doors on the rooms. So our doors right across on their door, their doors right around from us, all room doors are off. You're, this is your room, this is your room. So if I have to see you coming across this hall, I know that's not your room. So we just said, well, how do we have no privacy? Well, you won't have any. You don't need no privacy, you little kids. Privacy. You know what I mean? Privacy. <laughs> you little kid. What about privacy? Right. We didn't have privacy when we were growing up. What do they mean, privacy? So and that and that, that worked out. They worked out well. They went well there. Got those boys straight. Got together. You know, youngest one uh, went to his his biological grandparents. Other one to another foster home when he was older. But yeah, I just you just you come up with things. I mean, I can tell you a billion stories. How about the hoarders? Oh yeah. <laughs> You get you talk about that. You talk about the hoarders. No, no. We had a hoarder. You had. Oh, wait a minute. You had a hoarder. Hoarder. Yes. Food hoarder. A hoarder. Right. Too much stuff. Hoarder. Right. Oh my God! I you know you had no that. Food in the mattress. <coughs> okay. Raw, raw macaroni. Raw. Not for the eat. Yes, that's. Oh. And they would. She would. She, she or. She would eat twenty four seven. And we find oh, about her. I was talking about the boy. Oh, well, we get quite a few <laughs> But the boy. Oh, like, wow. Take everything. And one day he's like, I go in there, I search his room, look up these. We're not doing room searches, just to tell them. And they're and they in there, they're there. in there when you do it. No, we're searching the room because too many things are missing in out the kitchen, right? And I go, What what were you gonna do with the raw macaroni? You can't even eat it, it ain't cooked. And you find out for some of the kids that come to you who didn't have food, uh-huh, and never have food. It's, it's in your head. They got to get that food. They don't know where they're going to get food from again, you know? They just don't know. And that's a hard thing to break it out. We were going to therapy like crazy. I worked out. He did good. He did good, you know? It's like, you know, and come to find out, he said his mother was a crack addict out of D.C. And he's a little boy. She used to take him to the grocery store with no clothes on and a coat and put meat, steaks, and stuff inside his clothes, freeze the poor little child. So she goes sell that meat to get drug money. That kid went through that, you know, horrible, horrible, you know, and that kid was like, not only a bedwetter also as well. And like, I knew about that. They told me, cause I, I don't really want bedwetters, but we were prepared being a nurse. We got prepared. We're going to get mattress covers. We doubled it. Remember? I said, uh-uh, we're going to get mattress covers. 20 and just do everything you think you got to do. And the agency doesn't give you money for that. You have to outthink that. You have to figure out, we're going to take this kid. They got a lot of problems. How are you going to deal with it? You have to figure out how you're going to deal with it. You know, so and then you just deal with it. And what's what's good is that, you, and plus what I did, because I have to get up. I'm gonna tell you, like I'm an old woman now. 
And I've always, before I got to be a really old woman, I had to pee at night uh, two times, three times a night, so I was going to go to the bathroom, drink too many sodas. I tell this kid, I said, no drinking any fluids after seven. When you go to bed at 10, I'm waking you up at 12 to go to the bathroom. Two times a night when I get up. And I did that so much, he was getting up on his own. When he left, he was not a bedwetter. Aaron ran into that young man, poor handsome young man, who is um, engaged. engaged He's ever married to a, a, a Caucasian school teacher from Charles County. He's doing well. So I'm saying you have to take the time. But if nobody came in and stepped in and did all these things for him, what kind of man would he have been? What he would turn out to be? So it just is just you got to take time. But you got to think that I'm going to take time, you know. And you, I mean, we got so, we had water so bad one time, they put locks in the refrigerator. And my my mom, get rid of that kid. I'm not getting rid of that kid. Uh, we gotta teach this kid that he doesn't have to steal food. So people would come to our house and say, dang, me and Ace, y'all got locks in your refrigerator? We say, yep. Like it's, it's like a normal thing for us. Yep, we do. So you start getting a hoarder like that, eating out of the house home, you gotta figure out what you're gonna do. You gonna get rid of the kid or you're gonna try to save him. You try to save him. Yep. Not only that, you have so many appointments. Um, letting you people know so many appointments you have. I apologize. Yes, the internet just uh, took me down for, for a couple of minutes. Now, what were you saying? Um, Can you hear me now? now? Oh, I forgot what you were talking about. Yeah, I hear you. I, so yeah. I was asking about the discipline. I know that, you know, with a lot of kids, some people have a one size fit all for discipline, but how did you handle it? When a kid needed to be disciplined, we let them write out the punishment. What do you think is fair? Especially our teens. What do you think? What do you think? You think yeah. this is wrong. What do you think is fair? They would come up with some good stuff that some of wasn't going to even do. You know, they come from good, some good mm -hmm. stuff. He said, "Why not go help? I'll go help Mr. Ace in the yard. I'll cut the grass. He don't know do I can do it myself. You know, all kinds of things. They would come up with their own stuff. You know. And one of the things we did also, if we held allowance for you did something, you're not getting that money this week. We always gave them a way to, to earn it back. Okay. Now, you can get that allowance that you missed last week, but just what you got to do extra. Things like that, you know. Okay. I mean, those are great tips. Things, though, they know I'm not <laughs> yeah. Those are great tips for parents yeah, just, uh, for raising yeah. their own kids to actually talk about the discipline yeah. and ways to hold the allowance so they can earn it back. Uh, those are wonderful yeah. tips. Yeah, so you have your your reunion with your foster children? No, we haven't, but we're hoping that maybe we can get one of the news stations, some of your side or somebody to help us do that, to put the information out there and gather people to see if we can get that done. We would like to do that. We talk about that a lot. That would yes, be nice. Would. And That'd see, Steph, Dr. Stephanie, not only did I, we had foster kids, I used to work in a group home for foster kids and boys and girls. When they were short staff. So, I, you know, we've had quite a few kids, okay? Because we used to get some out of the group home just for day visits. He go meet some kid. Oh, he don't have no family. Nobody's coming. Can we just get him for a couple of days? Yeah, we can get him. So, you know, just things like that. I mean, you just you just have to just do your best at it and just with personal satisfaction. And you're taking care of somebody that God created. I mean, we're all supposed to do as much as we can for other people. So, I mean, and I tell people all the time, you might not get back what you gave somebody from them, but you're going to get it from somebody. You know, it's, it's called magic money. I don't, have yes. to, I don't have to get anything back from you. 
something's coming in the door. And I feel like if your hand is tight fisted, nothing can get out, but nothing can come in either. So, I mean, we try to donate and give and help people as much as possible, but something's always coming in. We're good. I think that it pays to be good giving people and respecting people. Everybody can't be like you. And I tell people all the time who know me and know Aaron say, oh, like he has a family member who always says, let's go to the rich doctors. I'm thinking, you know what? Because we're doing a little better, you don't mean we're better. It just means we can buy better shoes. Come on, let's be real. I took that one from Oprah. This means I can buy better shoes. But I'm saying that um, some people just look at what they see. They don't see the whole inside story about how hard. But you know, Aaron and I always had many jobs. Mm. We've, we've, we've done many jobs. I talk about those things in my book that I wrote about my memoirs on 480 Cador Street. I talk about that book. But I talk about like that history of the children and people in our lives and where we came from, how we got into all these things. I think it's just that a blessing that I can even sit down and talk to you about it. That Aaron can talk to you about it. We can share our history. Maybe someone else say, I didn't know that about foster parent. Let me think about that. You know, because our book, there's always room for one more, is a good tool. It's a tool. I mean, this is like a handbook. You carry it with you. You don't remember something. You get a kid, pop it open, look at it. What does that mean? You know, and see what it means, because it's all in there for you to see what it means. It's, it's a good tool. And not only that, if you just want to be help people, yeah, you can you can do respite. And that you know, you can do respite. You can go explain to, that. What respite is is I want to leave this weekend. I need somebody to watch my kid. I can't take my kid with me. So okay. what you do is you take the kid for the that we family for the weekend. And not only that, like the group homes, Christmas time, become involved and and go and and take a kid for Christmas. You know, get them out that group home. Give them a little family, you know, for for a minute. So, you know, there's always ways. Uh, not only there's always room for one more, there's always ways you can help people and, and help that, these kids. And another thing that agencies are trying to do, the state, statewide, we're trying to get children out of uh, group homes because mm -hmm. sometimes bad things happen in group homes. The problem is they were steered away from that and now we're steering back to it because there's not enough parents not enough foster parents. And another thing, too, about foster care, you had asked the question earlier, and I, I missed it. We need our caseworkers to be paid. I mean, they get these degrees, they go to our case manager, they do all kinds of work. They don't get what they're, they don't get what they're doing. They expect so, the agency expects so much out of the case managers. They need more help. They need more budget, more money. This, I mean, everybody needs more. I understand that. But if you want these kids to turn out right, it's just like school teachers. School mm -hmm. teachers get paid on the bottom of the total book. Come on now. School teachers is what makes everything tick. If we didn't have school teachers, where would we be? We didn't have teachers, instructors, where would we be? And these states don't want to pay them hardly anything. I mean, it's mixed up. And I, I can go a step further because I'm a, I'm a registered nurse, retired military nurse. Nurses run hospitals. You don't see nurses making 100,000, 200,000 a year, like some of the surgeons especially doctors, they're just a human being like anybody else. Why is it that they have to make how many million dollars because they're especially God gave them a gift and they're taking advantage because they can. And I, somehow our whole industry and system needs to fix all the way around the globe, not from children on up to all the different specialties where nobody's getting what to do them. I mean, even the unfair school system in districts. Come on now. I, I don't know. I can't make it right. I wish, but I'm more than happy to help. You know, I think of the 26 years we did foster parents, we gave it a good shot. 
you know, it's like um, just learning about the different types of ways that you can help out children if you don't want to do foster parenting right. the whole time. That, I mean, that should help a lot because, we, yeah, we didn't, we didn't know. I didn't, I didn't yeah. know. You can join agencies and just say you want to be a relief parent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's good. And then listening to like your philosophy on discipline helps not just with foster kids, but with all the parents out there that are struggling with discipline, because sometimes I think we give so much to kids and then when they do something, parents don't know how to counteract what to do. And if they don't do something, then they're going to end up with a kid that's always going to uh and as an adult and you won't be able to help them then exactly yeah. i so try to stress that so much with young parents i say our parents are just young too and they're just not getting it the thing is they're so full of the internet as well the foster parents is the world works like that i mean if we work from home everything's internet everything's on the computer even the parents you know and i thought that's what the children learned in these schools these days they didn't know like the old way of no internet and things like that the way we had to learn I mean, how many kids, you ask them for the dictionary, they know what a dictionary is. Yeah. I mean, can you pick up a dictionary and find a word if your internet goes down? Cursive. I mean, or cursive writing. Every That's another thing. Every child that we had, every child, we told them how to write their name in cursive. Every child. Almost every kid that came here, especially boys, just print. Print their name. I said, no, you got to remember how to write it, scribe. So we taught, we're proud of that. Mm-hmm. We taught everyone how to write their name, sign a check. You need to know how to write your name. We even taught the older kids how to write checks. We got checks and we taught them how to write checks, things like that. All the things you need to teach them to get out there and be independent. All kids, you know how to write their name, not print it. I bet you they know how to read cursive because they could never even read the U.S. Constitution or the the original Declaration of Independence if you can't read cursive. (coughs) Not able to do that. So, what were some of the other unique challenges that you faced as a foster parent? So we talked about the, the kids who came with uh, extra baggage like hoarders yeah. and things like that. Uh, and I don't know why that would surprise me because if they were in situations where they didn't have enough food, the first instinct is to gather food. We saw yeah. it in the pandemic. So why wouldn't that happen with a kid who yeah. was in foster care? Yeah. So what some of the what were some of the other things that you encountered? That we face is when you get a parent uh, who a first is we had a little girl, right, thirteen or something. She came to us because she accused her father of doing something inappropriate with her. After she did that, they moved her out of his home, and it was a father living with her and her two brothers, three brothers, I think, or four of them, and the mother was not there. I guess just absent. And she came to live with us temporary as a temporary placement. And then she went to retract what she said because she wanted to go home, right? Of course, all the case managers, everything trying to investigate to see is this girl lying? Is she not lying? Who knows? When she came to us, I think 13, I tell you, if you saw her, you would have thought she was like 16. She had a little haircut, crop short. She was like a stacked little built little Caucasian girl with a little makeup on, looking all grown up, everything. And I'm saying, oh, that ain't gonna work up in here. And we had our first foster daughter, which was Michelle, the one I talked about earlier, who said, Mom, what are we, we going to do about that? We're going to fix that. And she's not going to have that makeup on and that nail, red nail polish and everything. So that took a minute. And then her father, now she's accused him of this, but her father still has visitation rights. Does that make sense? 
Mm -hmm. So you're trying to figure out what's going on. Why would the agency, of course, say she can have day business with him? Does that make any sense? So this one day she said her dad was going to come take her because he was taking them all to the movies, right? And we get, we were, even though she was 13 or 12, we were giving her an ounce. She had her an ounce, which she wanted to make sure she had some money. I think, I think I ever gave her like $15 just so she'd have some money in the movie. She did whatever. Came back, actually 20, because she came back. I said, do you have any money left for the movie? She said, oh, no, I had to pay my dad's way in. I said, I thought your dad was taking you to the movies. He yeah, said, but he, he didn't have any money. <clears throat> I'm like, what kind of damn dad? You know, I was too irritated right, about that. Right, so sometimes right. you have to deal with the parents. What kind of, what kind of crap? And what kind of court says he can have visitation rights? So there's a lot of things you deal with that. You just in your head, no, this can't be right. You know, and there's not too much you can do about it. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of times it's like dealing with the parents. And going back to Richard, our kid that, Killed in an auto accident. His mom had him on a hook and strings. He was working, making some money. His mom would come by and sneak and see him when we went home and get money from him all the time. And we planned for Disney one time. He had uh, saved up a lot of money because none of the kids, we took three of them at the same time, had never been to Disney. So um, he came home one day and he was looking all sad and everything. I said, why are you looking so sad for? He said, I spent my money. What do you mean you spent your money? We're going like in a month. You mean you spent your money? I was just out and I spent my, you spent all your money? Now, first of all, that doesn't even make sense. You spent your money. So Jaquan, the African-American kid we have from New York, he said, no, Miss Sandy, his mom came by and he gave her money. No, first he said he bought an ounce of weed. Oh, yeah, something. Yeah, he bought marijuana. So I went in the room, I said, well, show me the marijuana. <laughs> you know, that you spent all your money on, you know? And then he said, no, and then Jaquan told us. No, his mom came by. I was so mad at her. I called her up. I'm going to mention her name, but I call her up and I tell you, I was so mad. Who in the hell do you think you are? How could you do such a thing? Did he tell you we were going on uh, vacation to Disney? He didn't tell me y'all were going on vacation to Disney. You took all his money and told him you needed for rent. Come on now. So I said, well, he said, I guess I can't go. I can just go to wrestling. You're not going to wrestling. We're all going to Disney. I'm going to loan you some money and you're going to pay me back. So we all went to Disney. All turned out well. But I mean, things like that. You have some of those parents. Who aren't really parents, they're a kid, they're a kid. You take advantage of your kids. You're not doing anything with your life. So you have a lot of parents you gotta, you gotta deal with. You know, there's not too many things you can say to them because they're still the parent. You know, and it's just that sometimes the parents worse than the, the problem than the child. You know, you see what they don't want that kid with that parent. So, but the goal is to get all kids back to a biological family. You know, and another thing, too, one more thing, those children come, so many of them come on because they're talking treatment, foster care, on so many medications. Being a nurse helped me because I fought them battles with those doctors on medications, getting kids off of medications I know they shouldn't have had. And so many medications do the same thing. You got this kid all doped up going to school. Yeah, they can't learn in school and get bad grades. They, they doped up. They can't think they're sleepy, you know. So I fought a lot of things like that. And the worst thing about that, my kids, my first kid, one of my favorite. I got her off all the medication she was on. She was doing well in school and great. They said, oh, now I got to move her. She's not treating foster care no more. She's not on medicine. System is broke. Because they should have been more than happy to leave her right there with us because she was doing so well. But that's how the system's broke. If the wow. kid ain't on medicine, they can't be there. And when you get them off, they're doing mm -hmm. right then. They're not normal. They're not normal people. She didn't go back home. They're just doing, they're just doing, yeah. no, they call it going to regular foster care. Yeah, I know. 
So it's like it's like a lot of things that disappoint you, and some of the things in the system you can't fix because it's broken. And I don't know how it's going to get fixed or if it ever will get fixed. I mean, we were like looking at we got an email. I got an email like a couple months ago now when we first put the book out. I got an uh-huh. email that we put six books in Germany, and I showed him the email. I said, I don't know nobody in Germany. And then a couple of days later, we sold three in the United Kingdom. I said, I don't know nobody there either. So I'm thinking all these other countries are probably having false security issues. They got kid problems. I don't right. think it's just in the United States. I think it's everywhere. Yeah. You got it's these kids, lost kids. Yeah. 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 It's not it's just here. It's it's everywhere. And unfortunately, as you said, some of the parents are lost too. So lost parents generally create lost children. Yeah. So the sad part about it, you know, our system is great in some ends, but where it's important, you know, mental yeah. health care, they're getting mental health care. Yeah. A lot of people don't make enough money to pay for food or rent or That's even how to uh, to deal with addictions. It's just issues that people don't want to deal with. Our society doesn't deal with it, but the children are, you know, there. they're the of that system, right? Yeah. One thing that happened too for us since our two daughters always did respite for us and watched our kids through the years, our oldest daughter adopted to it. They became foster parents. Our oldest okay. daughter, Kimmy, she adopted to her daughters, two foster okay. daughters. And um, <clears throat> our youngest daughter, our baby girl, she became a communal foster parent. And what she does, because she's bilingual, uh-huh. she does speak Spanish in first grade when we were stationed in New Mexico. She does communal so the kids that come across the border, uh-huh. they get the United States programs they have in. She gets those kids because she can speak Spanish. And a lot of times they come and they don't speak any English, but she's and she would have me watch her kids. I used to watch her kids. Come on, mom. I'm like, I can't speak Spanish, but she could have program on my phone. You can now. She said they can uh-huh. speak Spanish. She just gave me that program. And now I'm communicating, taking them to the doctor, everything. But it was fun. I write on it, they look at it, they go, mm, and they take it back to me in English. So, uh uh-uh, uh, you're not going to handicap me, mom. I watch your kids, your bad kids. <laughs> you know, that's what she did. We had one that she had with for a long time. He's now in Texas. And she flew to Texas for his graduation last month. And she just talked to him about that. He's flying here in a couple of weeks to stay with us for two weeks. He speaks English good now. He's going to the Air Force. Yeah, he's, going, he's trying to go to the Air Force. So, so she, um, she, she does good with it. And it's a funny thing how people's minds or our children's minds, they learn so much when they're young. We were stationed in New Mexico in um, 1974, and all of our kids had to go to school because in the school in Mexico, all children have to take bilingual classes. Our daughter Carmen is the only one that got that Spanish in the first grade and carried it. Every grade, every school she went to, she took Spanish. She's with no no teacher and they just learn like that. And I wonder how that works. All of my kids went to those schools, had to go to those Spanish schools, but nobody picked up Spanish but her. So now I don't pick it up. But I mean, both of our parents are like, we're generational parents. Generational parents. It was her destiny. We never know what the universe sent us to do. So, but we are out of time. So I want to thank you guys for joining me. I want to remind everyone that they go to your website and get your book. There's always room for one more. And plus you have some other books too, if you like to read. Yeah. One of those. Uh, You can go to her website. You can go to Amazon. Uh, to be sure that you get a copy of the book also. So thank you again. I do apologize for the technical difficulty. Oh, no problem. 
hopefully the show went really well and we won't have to repeat it, but it, absolutely. we will repeat it. So thank, thank you. you. We appreciate it. Thank you. So as I always say, may this day offer you just what you need in each unfolding moment. Do not go gently into that good night, but find a hero worth dying for and take it. Be the person that you are waiting for. Make today so awesome that yesterday gets jealous. And above all else, do it your way. I'm like Stephanie Coleman, the empowerment doctor, and life is too short to drink cheap champagne. You all have a great evening. Thank you again for joining me. Thank you, Dr. Coleman. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. So thank you again. So with that, I'm going to say good night. Good night. To drink cheap champagne So I decided to buy me A better brand And to taste with my Strawberries What a Lemon bubbles in the sky On the beach with blue